on, Gene, kick it. Two weeks in a row, the surge, uh, the, the vodka trade? Yeah. I'm coming around on the idea of it, man. I really am. Um, because, um, the Raptors need a four, but they also need, like, a four or five. And one of the biggest problems with uh, Cleveland is when they play that. LeBron at the four or five or whatever you want to describe it as, or like Love is at the five, or they have Channing Fry at the five. You know, they basically have no true center. Like Serge Ibaka is really like really a player that would help with something like that against a lineup like that. Just well, sp- I think sp- spacing wise, he's like beyond optimal too, right? He can actually play with JV, which is something that they've desperately needed if they're going to keep JV. Yeah, exactly. Which it looks like they are, you know. Yeah, they're. They're committed to JV, man. I don't think they're going to let him go in any, in the near future. Unless there's some sort of, like, un unspeakable <laughs> trade. Somebody who comes up to them and says, uh, how about I just give you, like, three first-round picks and, like, our budding uh, superstar player for JV. And then they would be like, yeah, absolutely, I'd make that trade. Well, let's trade him for Charles Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> the Raptors Dude. need some muscle on that team, man. Bring back Oak. I can't believe what happened last night. I, I know we'll get back in the block a little more serious here, but that was nuts. Did you? How much of it have you seen? Did you see the 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 person that had it like on Twitter? I forgot the I forgot the guy's name, unfortunately. But the, oh, a, I've watched probably too much of it to be honest. <clears throat> there was like the Nash. There's like the broadcast, right? The broadcast version, and then like you can't even watch it on League Pass anymore. So you have to like, <laughs> on League Pass. They kind of like split. These, on the home feed, there's like some sort of expose going on during that exact uh, uh, like that exact time, and then if you're going into the away feed, they don't they don't show like a camera angle for it, and then if you go to the ESPN feed, they simply from that it's like eight or sorry six eighteen in the first quarter, they like you could see it noticeably skip, <laughs> like it. You see him like dribbling the ball to shoot the free throw. He shoots the free throw, and then he, you can see Porzingis like looking around, and then it like skips to him shooting the second free throw. And we all know why. Without <laughs> getting into it too much, like, what are your thoughts in the kind of, I guess, in a vacuum on it? Man, it's the it's like just a, it's just another feather in the cap of this disorganized Knicks franchise. I don't think he's wrong though. I think all the things he said about James Dolan are something. It's it's kind of things that a lot of people have been saying, and he's just upset. I mean, look who was right next to him trying to calm him down, Phil Jackson, who, by the way, give Phil Jackson credit for spotting this. They always say there's one soccer in the room. Mm-hmm. Give Phil Jackson credit for spotting that soccer, and that was James Dolan, and getting paid millions per season to sit there and do what exactly? <laughs> Throw shade at Melo on Twitter about how he's a leopard? <laughs> Keaton, man, that, the job Phil Jackson has, has gotten, he's just like, uh, James Dolan basically said to him, Dude, come do come be the GM, and he's like, nah. He's like, how about this much? And you know, you know, in those movies where they they write like a number on a slip, right? Yeah, like, that's what I feel like happens too. <laughs> <laughs> he opens it up. He's like, he said to me, no, no, you give it to them, and they and they look at it and they're like, no, 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 this is not enough. And then you know, you write like a number and give it back to the to the person, and then they look at it, and then they write another number, and give it back to you, and it's like, you don't, you try to play it off all cool, like. You shake your head, you nod your head, and you're like, yeah, yeah. You give it to him, and then as soon as you exit the room, you're just like laughing because you can't believe they offered you so much money. That's like that's where that's where Phil Jackson is right now. He's just like, I can't believe I can't turn away all the money, man. It just doesn't make any sense, and he's just, you know, just flying by the seat of his pants. 
The only reason why he's still there is because he hired Porzingis, or he drafted Porzingis. Which was highly criticized at the time, too, remember? Yeah, exactly. So, remember, the crying, well. remember the crying Knicks fan? Yeah, the crying Knicks fan. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually insane. But in terms of, like, leverage, I guess, in the sense of negotiating a deal, to kind of segue back to Serge Ibaka... If the market's cool on him, do the Raptors not kind of hold a similar, we'll use the word leverage, against the Magic here where they can, you know, kind of dictate what kind of offer the Magic will receive? Absolutely, dude. The the Magic are going nowhere fast, and that's been going on for the past, like, three years. So you could basically say... Oh, you want me to read what Mark Spears put up? No, 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 no. But the Raptors can say... No, I was fixing my mic. <laughs> Sorry. No worries, because Mark Spears was very vague in what he said. Go ahead, man. Man, he just said, Toronto has had its eye on landing a power forward like Orlando Serge Ibaka before the trade deadline, a source said. So, no shit. That's not really news. That's something that we've known since, what, Chris Bosh left? I mean, in the summer, <laughs> the Raptors tried to pursue Ibaka in a trade until they realized that the Thunder's asking price was pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Think about what they wanted. They wanted, what, Norm Powell, Corey Joseph, Patrick Patterson in a first? Yeah, that's a no-go, man. Yeah. And now look at like Orlando went all in, and they're on the verge of basically trying to get anything in return for Ibaka now. Yeah, so, they traded what Oladipo first and something else. Like I think it was like they uh, traded something else too. I'm trying to remember. I can't even. It was pretty that. much Oladipo in the first though. It was like yeah, the main, it was like the crux of the deal. Right, and now he's not really producing for the team, and it's not. It's partially his fault, but if the team is bad, right, like you can't really expect a role player to play well on a bad team. So. With the Raptors, I guess their negotiation tactic would be, well, he's, you know, he's not playing so well over there, and you guys gave up all these, you know, they're not going to bring up how, how many picks they, they traded away. They're going to be like, you guys aren't really doing anything right now. <laughs> so, and he's yeah, they gonna, don't know what they're doing. Yeah, like, you guys aren't really doing anything, and he's going to be a free agent soon, so we could just give you stuff. You admit defeat, we give you stuff, and you get the free stuff, and you get Serge Ibaka. It's not like you guys are going to be good anytime soon. This is going to actually help you guys tank and be worse so you can get a better draft pick. Well, here's the beauty of acquiring Ibaka, too, is that he's only making $12.25 million this year, right? So based on the way salaries have to match up, the Raptors only have to offer roughly around $8 million in change to make sure that you know the trade can go through. So there's the first part of that that makes it easy. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Ibaka, they'll get his bird rights, too, which is huge because when you look at who they got coming up in free agency, they got Lowry, Patterson, and presumably if they acquire Ibaka, Ibaka. Likely they'll only be able to keep two of those three guys because of financial reasons unless they decide to pay the luxury tax, right. which that's a whole other like, thing to get into. But in the grand scheme of things, Ibaka is very easy to obtain in a sense where the cost isn't that high right. financially. So, yeah, exactly. So what are, you, what are you thinking for that trade? Well, I'm kind of on the same page as you where it's like, you know, Orlando, you're not going anywhere. Um, do you want something or do you want to just lose him for nothing? So <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking you would either go – Either Terrence Ross or Corey Joseph, mm-hmm. uh, either Pirtle or Siakam, and then mm-hmm. one of the firsts. I think really? that would be I wouldn't even realistic. Trade. They would have to honestly at the negotiation table. They have to fight me for one of the first picks, man. You know, holy crow! Yeah, they would have to fight me for it. like you know, like you go to your car salesman, you're trying to get, like lowball them, and then they they're trying to like high, get the price high, but you lowball them because you're trying to get that middle ground. So be like, you know, Ross. And, like, you could choose Pirtle or Siakam and give you the choice. 
and that's it. And they're gonna be like, what? what, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. And they're gonna be like, no first round pick. I'd be like, protected first round pick. Yeah, they're both protected. <laughs> but <laughs> damn, dude, I, I get the vibe that you're literally doing well. You know, you said Phil Jackson did with James Dolan. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Put a little more. Put a little more. <laughs> We're just like hanging up on the magic, being like. Mm. Kids, call him back. Let's see if they'll take it this time. <laughs> yeah. You still don't want it, K-Bye. Yeah, yeah. Keep hanging up on him until they get so fresh. You're like, don't hang up on me again. I'll take the trade. You're like, done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's, I just, you just have to realize you're, you have to make the trade from the position of strength, man. And by offering up so much, even though that's probably, that'll probably be the trade, just by, you know, presenting that as the first thing, first scenario, I wouldn't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not down for that. I'd like to play hardball in my trades, man. See, I agree with that. I think Beside Jerry does that. But don't you think Hennigan, the uh, Magic GM, might kind of fall victim to, hey, I traded this much for him. I kind of, I want to recoup some value now. Although that doesn't make sense in terms of like, you know, we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. I think humans just fall victim to that where he wants to recoup some of the value that he traded away so the trade doesn't look that bad i mean to save face yeah so he doesn't get fired yeah and so <laughs> he would definitely be looking to do that so what if i threw in a couple of names here as like potential kickers that they get thrown with Ibaka from the Raptors perspective because one for one would make sense like you they could just go ross for Ibaka, you know mm-hmm. that that would work but that would give them a wing that can shoot somebody that can actually shoot on the magic a little right. bit of creation oh my goodness Holy crow. I mean, somebody who can handle the ball. Terrence Ross is basically what they think, what they want Mario Herzogna to be. Are they going to give up on him? Because he's one of the guys I had written down here as a possible kicker, if they give up on him. Yeah, they get the, you know, the Raptors would take him in the trade, but certainly he's... His swag's unreal. His swag is (laughs) off the charts. Exactly. But he's like, he he rarely plays. Like, he's basically a rookie. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. And Terrence Ross is basically he does. Terrence Ross does the same thing they want Hazonia to do. We're giving you the guy that actually does it. You can give us the prospect. Well, what about like taking a back at guard? Like the other two names I have written down here: are C.J. Watson or Jody Meeks. Not flashy, but both like perimeter guys, ball handlers. Meeks. You know? Yeah, even Watson. Uh, Watson would make sense just because if you trade Co- if you trade Kojo, then you want Watson back. And I guess if you trade uh, if you trade Ross, then you would want you know either Meeks or. Meeks is pretty good. You either want Meeks or Hazonia. That's if you want to go young or if you want to do now stuff. I guess you would want to do now stuff. So I, I get the vibe, though. Ultimately, you would prefer to just acquire Baca. Yeah, I don't really... There's nothing really... You know, it's just like a corpse of a team. <laughs> of yeah. a team right <laughs> it's just give me a Baca and that's it. You can scurry away. Go away. So all things considered, financially, cost acquire them, you know... The fact that the offseason would get really complicated because they'll have all the bird rights and who can they sign or can is going to luxury tax make sense? Like all of that. They're going into the tax, man. Like if they're if well, they, they have want, to, right? If they want Lowry, if Lowry doesn't turn into dust after all the minutes he plays today or uh, in the next we'll get into that weeks, in a second. <laughs> if he doesn't turn into dust in the next few minutes, um, yeah, they're going to resign him and then they're going into the luxury tax. So Patrick Patterson is going to be up for. Uh, for a contract renegotiation, I think that's something that's really low key. Nobody's really talking about it because Patrick Patterson, like, Patrick Patterson is like a low end or mid end um, uh, power forward, you know. So he does well, have he does he definitely Raptors. has value. Like a, Patrick Patterson is not a worthless player. Like he would definitely be a starter on other teams, hundred percent. But I mean, his injuries have definitely maybe lowered his value a little bit, not a lot, but slightly. Because think about it, if he's playing right now and he's balling out of his mind, the Raptors are going shit. 
well, it's good for us because we're winning games, but the other side of it is we've got to pay this guy now. Dollar bill, yeah, exactly. Okay, so does Ibaka move the needle enough to maybe not beat the Cavs, but at least guarantee a spot back in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah. I mean, he even gives a, a, a better chance against the Cavs just against that lineup I was t- telling you about. Plus, he's a, you know, a shot blocker. The team, the team doesn't have any shot blockers right now. Nope. And a uh, decent rebounder. You know, the team also needs rebounding. Shoots the mid-range, shoots the three. You know, he's good, man. He's good. He can pop, all that. I, yeah, exactly. I'm a big fan of Ibaka. I know his rebound rates, block rates. Like, There's a lot of metrics you can point to that say, hey, his game is down. But I just feel like playing on a shit team like Orlando, dude, come on. Like, showing up to the court every day, yeah, you get paid millions, yeah, you're professional, but human nature. You're just like, oh, boy, here we go. Yeah, Another see- game of the magic. We're coming yeah. to Toronto where you're fighting for the Eastern Conference, you know. The culture here is fully immersed in basketball at the moment, for Raptors fans at least. And it's just a different energy. Like, you're going to feel rejuvenated as a player here. Yeah, just think about it in your real life. Anybody who's listening to this is like, if you go to your job and it's like your your coworkers are incompetent and your management is like playing favorites and incompetent, <laughs> you're just like, man, I hate going to work so bad. You're looking for a new job, right? <laughs> in the that's NBA, a baka. Right? In, in the NBA, you can't really look for a new job. You can demand a trade, but that's about it, so... I have a feeling if he went on to a team that is, has some sort of winning going on, in any capacity, if they had winning going on, he would be playing much better. He would have, like, a defined role. No arguments here. All right. Yeah. On to Kyle Lowry's minutes. Mm-hmm. Dude, mm-hmm. second most minutes in the league played. Right. Number one in games of 40 minutes or more this season. Um, <laughs> can this keep up? I know they only have three games over the next 15 days, so, you know, he's going to get a bit of rest here. DeMar DeRozan's back, so that cuts into his workload and his usage a little bit too, but are the Raptors running the risk here of, you know, overworking Kyle Lowry? Man, he is so lucky to have not been injured at all so far. Like, he hasn't, like, tweaked tweaked an ankle or, like, jammed a finger or anything like that because he's maxing out on these minutes, and, like, the more minutes you play, the more likely you are to, to get injured. That's just, like, a the scientific fact you know and the more games that you play the more likely you are to get injured the the older you are the more likely you are to get injured and he's just starting to like you know it's it's starting to starting to build up all of those uh factors are starting to build up and this this probably going to be a breaking point if he doesn't get some sort of minutes reduction luckily the the all-star game is coming up soon you get a few weeks off or a week off basically well have you seen people on twitter that are like you know he shouldn't play in the All-Star game because it's going to add to his workload. Dude, I don't think a three-point competition and maybe six to eight minutes of burn in an All-Star game, that's pretty much a glorified walkthrough where you shoot a bunch of triples, is going to add to his workload. Yeah, that's nothing, man. <laughs> it's like he's not going to the gym or anything. He's just like, shoot. Yeah, you just like show up, shoot, and then you play in the All-Star game, which is basically just like glorified pickup, and that's it. You can go home. You'll see more effort from guys at your local YMCA this weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people are trying 100%. to prove themselves. People are trying to prove themselves at the Y, man. Not so much in the All Star game, unless it's like the last two minutes. So going forward with the Raptors, then how do they manage Lowry's minutes? Is there any solution to this, or they're just going to keep kind of treading this fine line where they're not overworking them, but they're getting pretty damn close? They got to pray people get healthy, like. Uh, Anybody who gets injured just adds more minutes to him. It's because, like, you need your best player on the floor, and if you have less, the others aren't as good, and they're not around. It's just like, Kyle Lowry, I need you to play more, man. We're going to fall behind. It's like, we're down five. 
we're down f- like we're down ten when we're usually down five, or we're we're down one when we're usually up five. So I just need you to play more. So Patrick Patterson comes back. Demar Derozan's already back. Um, he just he. I have a feeling there's just going to be like some one of the trainers going to talk to Demari Carroll or not Demari Carroll, <laughs> Dwayne Casey, and say, uh, uh, "Yeah, this guy he's been playing too much, and it's a miracle that he hasn't gotten injured. He should probably bring down the minutes." I know that we're, we're trying to get like a high seed, but the seed doesn't really matter if uh, Kyle Lowry's injured. Well, the Raptors are big too on using like all the sports science things where they they're very like in tune with biomechanics and measuring a player's steps and his heart rate and all of his health like. Any anything correlated with his body, they measure during practice and games and off days. So, I think they have a pretty good idea of what's going on with Lowry. But still, like all these minutes, dude. And he always gets <laughs> and the way his play style, like he always he's always getting bumped and like he's always sitting on the ground and like, jumping in the stands, yeah, loose balls. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's seriously a miracle miracle that he hasn't been injured yet. We don't we hope he doesn't get injured, but it's like you know they're they're dancing on the fine line right now, man. The finest of lines. One solution I think might be possible, although Dwayne Casey seems to use this guy like his closer now in baseball where he only comes in for the ninth inning. That would be Norm Powell, who seems to only come in for the fourth quarter now. Um, you alluded to it a bit earlier where you said, you know, Damari Carroll, you mentioned him, mm-hmm. and how the Raptors get behind so early that they kind of get dependent on Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. What if they inserted Norm Powell into the starting lineup, maybe perhaps build some more leads and leaned on Powell a bit more and shifted Carroll to the bench? Is that something they might do, or is Norm Powell destined to be this ninth inning closer? Man, I don't. It's here's, weird, right? It's, yeah, so, I don't. I don't get it. Here's the thing: like, he's good enough to be a starting shooting guard on pretty much any other team, but they already have a shooting guard that is better than him on the Raptors, and then they have Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross somehow has more equity than Powell, even though Powell seems to be a better like defensive player, and he's almost the same offensively. So they're just I guess yeah, they're using yeah, basically you're you're right. What they're using him as is the closer, right? So he has his energy. He has like his max energy when everybody else is, you know, at their 75, 80% and he's able to stick out more. I don't know if he's going to excel in that role cuz it's hard to just come cold off. That the, makes sense though, man. <laughs> it's, it's hard to come cold off the bench and then just play like 12 minutes in the fourth, but we'll see, man. It's Again, Dwayne Casey's unorthodox coach, even though everybody thinks he's an orthodox coach. He's very unorthodox. I feel like this could be maybe maybe a breakthrough in a, in a, in Norman Powell's play and his contributions to the team. But I'm you know I'm just I'm observing it. I haven't judged it either way yet. I don't know. I mean, he is unorthodox this season, and he started to get that way a little bit last season. But before that, you're spot on. He was so conventional at times predictable at times frustrating that you just you knew it was going to happen and now we get this whole you know change that we're like um yeah he's like he's like what's going on two centers now (laughs) and he's playing people that can't shoot and he's playing super small and he's playing super big he's all over the place this year so maybe we'll see some more i guess continuity as the playoffs approach and i think norm powell shifting into the starting role would provide that continuity or something you talked about last podcast you brought up was wilson chandler Maybe they go out and get a guy like that since he's not happy in Denver. That'd be an excellent trade. See, the thing is, if they make a trade for either Ibaka or Chandler, they're not going to be able to get the other unless they trade both Corey Joseph and uh, Terrence Ross. Ross, right? And then that's a huge overhaul because then you're waiting, you're relying on DeLon Wright to come back. And if he doesn't come back in time, then 
you know, Kyle Lowry's going to be playing a ton of minutes unless you want Van Vliet to play or you have no They love Van Vliet right now. Does it not look that way? Yeah, he looks, yeah, they love him. Dwayne Casey loves him, and I, I feel like the announcers love him too just because of how small he is, but I don't know well, how. I think him and Lon Wright are very mature because they stayed the full years of college. They're overagers in that sense. They're in their early to mid-20s, so they're a bit more mature. Um, they both play defense. They're hardworking guys. You know, they fit that cliche of, like, you love to hate you. You love to have these players on your team, but you hate to play against them. I think they just fit that whole narrative. Yeah, exactly. And um, Van Vliet is just—he's just—he doesn't have—he hasn't played that much in the NBA, which I'm skeptical of. Same with Delon Wright; he's—he hasn't had significant like a lot of minutes at backup point guard. So it just makes me a little bit worried when everybody has to like scale up in a role, especially when they're going—they plan to go deep in the playoffs. Like I can, uh, that can that can be bad. That can end poorly. Not everybody's like Norman Powell. Well, Corey Joseph, you know, that's another guy, too, that Norman Powell could easily take his minutes in the second unit. Um, I just Here, I'm would you a really hard see, time coming to terms with, like, how they're not using Norman Powell. Would you, rather see, like Corey Joseph. would you rather see them play Norman Powell or Corey Joseph as, like, backup? I guess it's not backup. I guess it would be, like, a combo guard type of uh, type of scenario. Yeah, because Lowry's mostly playing with the reserves, right? So he's your number one de facto ball handler. Mm-hmm. So why could they use Powell? Because the number one thing that's really killing Corey Joseph this year, yeah, you can look at his offensive numbers. It's his defense. He's fallen off a cliff. He used to be an okay perimeter defender. This year he's been horrific. He's bottom 10 in everything. I mean, just look at his de- defensive real plus minus. It's, Dude, he's like bottom seven with point guards. Right. I just don't know where he's fallen off this much, and that's been the real issue with him. Whereas Norm Powell is actually a decent defender. Mm-hmm. That's just been killing the Raptors. If that's, you know. What I'm thinking of is, uh, it, it could still be done. Now I'm thinking about it because there's Corey Joseph is never. It's never just him and the bench, right? It'll be him and Lowry, or it'll be him and him and DeRozan. And when it's him and DeRozan, DeRozan is typically the primary ball primary ball handler. So if you just substitute uh, Powell into that role, there shouldn't be that much of a drop off because. His defense is better than uh, Corey Joseph, and uh, he's still he's a secondary or maybe tertiary ball handler, and you can afford that on a bench lineup. So, well, when maybe. do we see Delon Wright get a chance to play? When he comes back, is he back? He, I don't even think he's back yet. He's still nobody. There's nobody has said anything. I think he's playing in the D League right now. Well, he's on the bus squad. He's he'll play games in the 905, and then go back up to the Raptors and sit on the bench. Where they'll play, Van- I thought for sure he was again that Brooklyn game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they just gave all the minutes to Van Fleet yeah, and DMP Corey Joseph for the first time in his career. What a that is a wild man. Yeah. That's dude. Like, and the worst part is, is what uh, Casey said after the game. How he says, you know, this is a game for him to mentally get right, which made it seem like there's more issues going on. So I, I Casey kind of cleaned that up after the next day of practice, but. Uh, you know, it makes you really wonder what's going on with Corey Joseph if this is not just something that it, it it might not be physical, but if it's mental, that's even worse. I think it would be used. You think you would be used to it if with, by playing with the Spurs because Coach Pop is uh, notorious for playing somebody for like thirty minutes one game and then you don't play for the next four or five games and then you play fifteen, twenty, fifteen, twenty, and then three. So, so hopefully he's um he's prepared for. Uh, unstable minutes, but uh, yeah, it just doesn't. I don't know. I really have to like articulate my thoughts on Corey Joseph, man. 
because it's it's gone it's taken a wild turn for him because he looked so dependable last year is just his creation his shot creation last year he wasn't able to really shoot the three but his defense and his be just able to be just like a reliable you know he felt almost, he was almost like Kirk Heinrich in the way he played like he was a steady steady dude reliable he was one of my favorite players on the Raptors see I've tried to articulate my thoughts around him too and I just I become more perplexed I'm just like how, how the hell did we get to this point and he's it's not like an aging issue and he's, his game has never really been reliant on um on athleticism in any sort of way it's just he's worse this year he's just been playing yeah, I, worse he's been in the same in the role and he was like all cheery and he's like you know working hard he was at the Murray Carroll's camp he's he was what it sounded like all the right things to make sure he's going to have another good season, you know, just to prove upon what was a breakout year last year. Mm -hmm. And it's been the complete opposite. Yeah. Maybe last year was maybe could have been the aberration in what is, uh, what is his actual place play style. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Norman Powell has been making strides, man. I could see him stealing minutes. And like, the more we talk about it, the more I'm thinking, yeah, you know, we could just play Norman Powell instead of Corey Joseph. And uh, you know that Kojo trade starts to look uh, a little bit, a little bit more appetizing, right? <laughs> well, Norman Powell should play more minutes, and if they don't, I, man, I'm still convinced. Looking at it, this is something you hammered on a few weeks ago that it's his height. That's all it is. Yeah, that's the is. only thing holding Norman Powell back because Dwayne Casey wants to play more small ball, but when you have a six five guy that's going out there and you can't really deploy him at the three because you know if teams start counteracting that with um, big lanky forwards. Norm Powell's just at a disadvantage. So yeah, we've seen guys like Paul George and LeBron and whatnot just rip them. I know those are gifted athletes, but the point is those long, lanky three, four players mm-hmm. give Norm Powell trouble. And this that's part of the reason why he is being used as what we're calling like the closer <laughs> in that fourth quarter lineup where everybody goes small in the fourth, right? So if everybody's going small, then I can sneak this guy in, right? And it'll still work out because everybody's playing perimeter players. He's a perimeter defender. He's not really guarding anybody in the post. So if you're going to go, you know, when people go to their bench, they're not necessarily going to a lineup that is punishing small people, small uh, guards. I think they will be able to get away with something like that. That's something they have to experiment with. And you got to really like see it on the floor. You can't really do that in practice. Yeah. I just think that's something they got to do more too. But at the same time, I think they got to fi- really figure out what they're going to do with Damari Carroll. Is he somebody that they want to shift to the second unit? It's pretty clear now. Love you, Damari, but you're not the perimeter defender that they thought you were going to be. He's just, whether it be age, body breaking down, health, whatever it is, he's just not that guy. So they got to determine if he's still capable of playing in the, in the starting lineup, which I don't think he is, but do they transition him into a reserve role now where he comes off the bench, nah, still plays no his 20, way. 25 minutes? There's you no way. So? No, like who are you playing in his, in his uh, absence? Like well, the I starter minutes, put, like he's playing, what, 28 minutes a game now? Yeah, I think they would put Norm Powell up in that starting minutes. And I think the second unit would just become Lowry, Corey Joseph, mm, Terrence Ross, Carroll, and then you could say Patrick Patterson as like a reserve. Because let's face it, the rotation is going to shorten as the playoffs get closer. So I think that's something in a long-term outlook would make sense. Hold on a second. He's playing 26 minutes a game. Right now, which are you know that's like high end bench player lineup or a bench player minutes, but I, too many teams start with like a, a, a 
big guard or a big forward at the three, and I did, you just can't play. You can't play Powell against them. The LeBron Jameses and the Carmelo Anthony's and the people of the sort of you know the Kevin Durant's of the of that kind. You just can't play Powell against them. He's just not. Uh, he's just not tall enough, and he doesn't weigh enough to contain them. So that's the only reason. That's the only reason why I think Carroll would be playing the three over him. Like the three, uh, Damari Carroll is. He's not as good of a defender. It's just like his length is enough. It makes up for his lack of like actual his lack of skill as a defender. You know, he has the physical attributes to compensate for it. That makes sense. There's no arguments against that. To be honest, I mean, what are you going to say? He, physically, he is what he is. He's not going to grow. Yeah. So it's a shame, it's, man. Yeah, it is. Norman Powell, if you're time, six foot, if you're six foot seven, you would be the greatest. Well, what if you'd be so good for this team at six foot seven, man? He <laughs> <laughs> would be. But what if you shifted DeRozan on one of those guys? Is that even an option? I mean, I don't think so. But nah, I don't think so. You know, DeMar DeRozan is like six foot six, six foot seven, probably That's six foot saying. seven in shoes. But um, I don't trust his defense. I, I'm still skeptical of the defense, and he's not shown me any flashes of like, yeah, I'm better defender this year. So I'm not buying it. I'm not buying him on any threes either. Sorry. All right. Circle the wagons. This leads us back to the only solution then. A trade. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, I guess the problem with the trade probably. is like who else is there aside from Abaka, Chandler, or Millsap? We gotta make that tra- maybe they made that trade for Chandler, man. I like the trade for Chandler. I like the trade for Chandler or Ibaka. And if it's only gonna cost you like Ross and like Pirtle or Siakam, make just make the trade. If it's gonna be like a first rounder, then you're gonna hem and haw, but then you're gonna be like uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you might as well at that point. I mean, the issue too is like, is there anybody cheaper? Like, do you think the Knicks would part ways with Courtney Lee, who they signed this offseason? I don't think so. No, I don't but, think so. And plus, he's a guard. We have too many yeah. guards. Too many guards. I'm trying to think of who else could play the wing for them. It's so agonizing because you look and you look and you look and you're like, uh, I don't so know. So you look at, you can look so many times and you just be like, you know. It'll be the same list of players every time, and just, you'll revisit it like every every week or so, and just be like, "Man, isn't there another? Isn't there a guy?" And then you're just like, "No, there isn't." You know who would kind of be ideal, but he doesn't want to leave the West Coast because his kids obviously live in L.A. Is uh, Matt Barnes? Oh, that's pretty interesting. He's but getting he, old. He's though. already flat out said, "Man, he's not leaving the West." Oh yeah, because he, he lives in Cali. He's a California kid. He, I think he lived in like he was born. I think he's born in Los Angeles, but he's played on the Lakers and then he played on the Clippers and they, I think he played in the Warriors and now he's playing in Sacramento. So he's just like, I'm yeah. just gonna stay in California. He's actually a football legend in the state of California. He was just a beast, a receiver, and you know, obviously he's got to protect his kids from Derek Fisher, dude. You know, <laughs> he's always taking social snipes on social media, but busting his ass and whatnot. So oh, man. he's got to stay in the West for that. Derek Fisher. What a guy, man. What a guy. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear him? He's like, I, I have no regrets about snitching, pretty much. Derek Fisher the way is... things unfold with the Knicks. Just, just shut up. Savage. Just shut up. <laughs> just stop talking. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Derek Fisher. Man, the Knicks. Never forget, man. The Knicks. What was it? Just you know, That's the super team. We're to the, you. we're don't, the we're don't. the we're nearing the end of the podcast. But let's talk about the Knicks for a little bit here, just because I we're, we're at the end. But yeah, I, I love talking about the Knicks because I love seeing them in turmoil. I love no, it. But, but no, right great, now, great like story. right now, it's like actually like you know pertinent to what's happening in the league. Where what the hell is happening right now, bro? 
Because like so, the Charles Oakley, the Charles Oakley thing is just like a feather. I think that I said this at the top of the pod. It was like a feather in the cap. Like there's so many, like with Phil Jackson when he's taking constant snipes at Carmelo, and then you know James Dolan. Like I've just learned about this today, but it, it seems to be this ongoing thing where James Dolan and like Charles Oakley are like on a not even a name basis. Like they never speak to each other. Well, didn't shake hands at the All Star game in right. New Orleans. Yeah, they don't shake hands. Like none of that. I'm like, what? Is, what is going on? How could you? If you're a free agent, why do you ever want to play in, in, in on the Knicks? And this shouldn't be that way, right? Like you should want to play in New York. You know, you, everybody. You would want to play on the Giants, right? You would want to. Want to play the Yankees? Right? You, you want to play, play the Red Sox? You want to play, play Premier the, teams? Right? You want to play this? But you, why the hell would you ever want to play on the Knicks? Where like the the GM is constantly slandering the. the and defaming the the best player on the team, the the team has hasn't even breathed success since that one year where Jason Kidd was uh, the point guard, and before that it had been, you know, I think it'd been at least a decade since they were in the in the playoffs, and then like, the NBA Finals, the lockout shortened season, that right. was like the last hurrah. With yeah, that was Sprewell. in the seventies. No, that's the 90s, oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the nineties with Sprewell and uh, and John Starks, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, no, that's what it was. And it's just, but they got really hot with like Camby and went that magical run. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, what? A, what, what, what? Why? Why would I ever go to the Knicks, man? Like, I just don't see. It should be so easy to go to the Knicks. You'd be like, yeah, man, it's in New York. They're gonna pay me a ton of money because that's what they do for basically everybody. And it's the mecca, uh, right? Yeah, and like you know this, the the party garden. scene. Madison Square Garden history, all this is all these advantages, and like the GM and the team owner are just like incompetent, right? And it just it doesn't work. I wish I could add something to that. That would be <laughs> not like not me sounding like a hater, because it's not that I'm a hater. I just think they're shit. It's to, just to sum it up bluntly. Like this, everything from organizationally top down is dysfunctional, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's. The team, it's yeah, it's, you're right. It's just like a top down, right? The team, like the players. Okay, the players are fine. You know, you got Porzingis, he's good. Courtney Lee is good. Derrick Rose, meh, right? No, no, man, get get out of town. <laughs> Go get your max deal. You claim you're gonna get. Get out of here. Right, Carmelo is still there. Right, you got some, you got some action going off the bench. Willie Hernan Gomez. You're right. super generous right now. Blow it up and rebuild around the zinger. That's right. what really needs to but happen. They would, still, they would still keep Hernan Gomez on the team. Like, he would yeah, still be but there. they got to really blow this thing up, dude. Right. So there's, you know, there there's talent there, not necessarily playoff talent or, you know, conference finals talent or anything like that. But, like, the GM has no idea. The only reason, I, I'm serious, the only reason why Phil Jackson is even still there to this day is because he drafted Porzingis. And I was like... And it wasn't even like a skill, like number. Nobody is looking at this guy, so I'm gonna pick him up at four. Everybody's like, well, you know, everybody else is gone. Like Jalil Okafor is gone, and Beat is gone, and uh, I forgot who went second. And it's just like, okay, we might as well just draft him. Or D'Angelo is gone. No, not D'Angelo. Was it D'Angelo? No, Jalil Okafor, Embiid, and D'Angelo. Yeah, right. Those guys are gone, so you might as well like draft a Porzingis. Like it was just part of like the mock draft board. I think you're missing the bigger point, though, with the Knicks, and that's the fact that James Dolan, quite frankly, doesn't care. And you look at – like if you're him or if you're even a player on that team, anybody in the organization, how the hell is James Dolan okay with everything that's going on and just keeps going on year to year saying, meh, you know, everything's good. Fans still come. I'm still making money. I still own the MSG network. Like 
everything's good. If he's okay with this dysfunctional losing culture, how the hell can you go there and actually believe that things are going to change? That's like the biggest issue they face right to, now is that they don't is, care. This is like a good time for James Dolan because James Dolan used to be used to um, interfere in pretty much everything that the GM did, like Isaiah Thomas or any anybody, anything anybody ever did. He was always he always had his hand in it. And now he's touring with his band. Which, I forgot. It's it like JD and the Straight Shots or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's touring with his band. And uh, he basically is just like left, you know, his hands. He's washed his hands of the, the team a little bit. So it's just Phil Jackson. But uh, if you don't, you know, what's the, what's the, what does the phrase go? It's like if the, the cat's away, the mice will play or something like that. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, much what's pretty happened. much like that. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's gone, he's not interfering, but like everybody else is like, Oh, he's not interfering with okay, I'm just gonna like, you know, twiddle our fingers and like maniacally laugh as we like ruin the team. I don't get it. Right, but what's even more sad about that too is like think about how low the bar is already. Just don't be worse than Isaiah. That's what the bar yeah. is. And <laughs> Yeah, and it's, <laughs> that's it's, what like, the bar is right now, man. That's how like, sad this and, is. And like, make sure, like, can we have a coach that is not like you know visiting a player's uh, ex what ex wife behind his back or something? Like right? Like, think about how low <laughs> the lows are. We're just asking you to show up and don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and they can't. He's like, yo, just be like a regular person that just has regular hobbies and does regular stuff. <laughs> That's it, man. It's so bad. Your average run-of-the-mill GM and just have a coach that just, he just coaches. <laughs> you know, the GM, he just does GM things. He doesn't, can you imagine if just, like, the GM was just, like, your average GM where he didn't really, like, talk to the, like, he spoke to the, the players, but, like, it was just, like, a professional, um, this is a professional relationship, you know? And then, like, your coach, all he did was just coach things. You know how much like how much better the team would be if we did that. <laughs> if we just had an average everything and the same players, the team would be significantly better. Yeah, Amazing. I, I for one find the Knicks incredibly fascinating, just not because of their product on the court, but because of their storylines off of it and what's kind of transpiring in the locker room oh and God. the dispute between Melo and Phil Jackson, obviously. Why did, he get a no tra- Why did he get a no trace clause? Did, has anybody even explained that? Nobody. I, I haven't read anything about that. Nobody has like said any definitive answer on why he got a no trade clause. Well, the Knicks got James Dolan more specifically. He got suckered into believing that Melo is this transcending superstar that can bring the Knicks back to limelight. Him and Amari Stoudemire were the future, right? He gave them both over $100 million mm-hmm. and said, you know, rebuild my franchise, please. Fail. And James Dolan seems to always be that sucker in the room, you know. Melo did it. Amari Stoudemire was productive in spurts until his knees gave out and they had to trade him. And yeah, and oh, Phil Jackson. Everything that went there. Phil Jackson, you know, he, Joakim, he's always that sucker. Joakim Noah. Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose. Oh, my God, yo. If he gets re-signed to that uh, Knicks. That would be the most Knicks, thing, Knicks team or Knicks thing to do, right? Is, like, re-sign Derrick Rose to, like, a max contract. That would be the most Knicks thing ever. <laughs> But see what we're talking about? Like, that's the most Knicks thing ever, is to, like, give a washed-up superstar a max contract deal because they're just known for making horrible decisions, man. That is the Knicks thing to do. As a Knicks fan, that's got to be just demoralizing. Yeah, just let that sink in. (laughs) Because I went to a game at Madison Square Garden when they were horrific. It was one of their worst seasons, and I went to watch them play the Magic. 
And I sat next to somebody who was a season ticket holder in his family for 29 years. And he was telling me all these stories about how garbage the Knicks are and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just went on and on and on and on and on and on and then on some more and then told me a little bit about Spike Lee and went on some more. Mm-hmm. So I finally asked this guy, I go, well, why do you still come? He goes, because I got faith, man. I love my Knickerbockers. I got faith. Yeah, He's such have, a New Yorker. And I have, feel like I feel like it's the only reason why they all go. That's yeah, it. they have a great fan base, like actually a really amazing fan base. And it's just such a disservice, man. It's a massive disservice. Like right, even you know even even Troy Tribbiani and uh and Chandler were Knicks fans. <laughs> right? <laughs> like they're in the lexicon of our everyday culture. Right. And they're just they're amazing. They have amazing fans and it's just man, just get get it together, man. <laughs> Can At you least ever for a season, you, you know like, tease like, us a bit. You know like everybody has that one friend where like everybody's doing their own thing and then there's this one friend he's just like goofing off and he's just like He's dating that one girl that you're like, well, you're still with her? And, like, he's just, like, so, like, <laughs> like he, he's so, it's, like, crappy John. You're like, bro, let's, let's, let's get this together, man. Everybody else is oh, doing stuff. progressing. Let's, yeah, let's, like, let's get this together. You know, like, you don't want to leave them behind, right? So, it's like, let's get this together. That's where the, that that's where the Knicks up. are right now. Look, okay, one used, final question before we get out of yeah. here. Who's the better dynasty? Because, obviously, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Again, much of chagrin to a lot of people, but Boo. you gotta respect what they've done. Hey, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Eli Manning, man, both of those, both of those Super Bowl championships, those, those are making Eli look real good right now, man. Okay, let's take it a step further. They're two <laughs> plays away, well, two moments away from losing four straight Super Bowls. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch run, and then obviously the Falcons not collapsing. But we will get to football here. Question is, better dynasty, Patriots or the Spurs? Same amount of titles in the same amount of years. Um, They've both been uh, – the Patriots have, I think, one, two more finals appearances than the Spurs do. But either way, you can see mm-hmm. where the comparison is here. Mm-hmm. So better dynasty in your opinion. I would pick the Spurs just because people really? love people love the Spurs and people despise the Pats. And Isn't that <laughs> what makes the Pats better though? No. That, in fact, that makes it worse for me. It's like That's like the difference between, you know, like the, the Kim dynasty and like the the – like the Quan Dynasty, or no, not the Quan Dynasty, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's like the yeah, Golden the Age, Evil Empire, like, man. you know, the, the Kim the Dynasty whole, versus like, like oh, a, I hate one, them. We can't beat them. Yeah. I love that part about them. <laughs> I don't know, man. So you you think it's the the pat the Pats? I think it's the Patriots, just because, in my opinion, it's a bit harder. You got 53 guys on the roster, the physical nature of football, the grind of it, where it's just like everything's really condensed, and obviously the hard cap. Well, it used to be a hard, nah. It's not even a hard cap. It's kind of like a soft cap, but the whole cap issue behind it makes it more difficult too because the players are always changing except number 12 and Bill Belichick. I just think that part it makes it more difficult, whereas the Spurs were able to keep together their main guys and interchange a few pieces here and there, but nothing major. Yeah, just and then, you know, like they, the Spurs basically went from that super old, you know, Twin Towers play style to that beautiful game style where everybody's passing and passing kick passing kick passing kick and then you pass 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 layup right and then so the patriots though patriots did something similar where they were very old school traditional football win on defense and then belichick decided to evolve with obviously what we all saw was a two tight end set uh mm-hmm. 21 personnel where they go two tight ends one running back gronk aaron Hernandez before he decided to be the biggest gangbanger in the world we're out there just ripping guys apart. Mm-hmm. And then that transformed into Gronk, Martel Spender. Like, we've seen what it's transformed into, and it just, you can't stop it. So, Yo, is Gronk really similar. that good? Yeah. 
Okay. Physical freak, man. Okay. I'm just I'm just saying because like you just you just told me like you know the coach and the the coach and the quarterback basically made the tight end. So I'm like, is Gronk even that good? People always ask that about Tom Brady too, right? Is Tom Brady even that good? I mean, he's the goat now, obviously when you consider all things, but there's still the detractors out there, mostly because of what you're saying, where people just hate them. That you know he's not that good. Put put him on any other team but the Patriots, and what is he? What is he? I mean, he's he's you know if he was probably not on the Pats, he would probably be like Peyton Manning. You know, no, I I think I'm just saying like he's just just quarterback. But I was just saying like you know he'd probably have you know a couple championships to his name, but I don't think he's like five. And then you know he's just like rolling in the deep, married to Giselle. You know, yeah, Tom Brady is literally like every guy's dream that wants to play football and they hate him because they don't have it yeah. and he's just so cocky like it's not even cocky it's confidence right yeah look at the commercial yeah. he filmed dude <laughs> like, oh do you have anything else to check in tom yeah i got one more ring and he puts it in and like <laughs> he filmed that before the super bowl <laughs> the goal they, they do they yeah they film those before i remember when i remember when the the giants beat the, the patriots in that in the i forgot what was the super bowl 42 the one where they were about to go 19 and 0 um, there's two commercials filmed where it was like, uh, it was in Perfectville and it was like that, what was it? The semi, I forgot which Miami, which Miami team it was, but they lived there. It was the perfect team from Miami. They lived in Pleasant, in Pleasantville or whatever. And it was just that team that lived there. And then there was one commercial where you'd see like the Patriots unpacking and be like, Oh, there's a new family in town or whatever. And they'd be like, huh? And then you see them like sadly throwing the football back and forth. And then there's, like, another commercial where you see, like, Eli Manning delivering, like, a package to them, saying, and they're like, ah, oh, isn't it great in Pleasantville? It's just like, yeah, yeah, we're trying to keep it that way. And, you know, so, yeah, they film both commercials. It's probably a different commercial for when uh, Tom Brady loses. Well, he, they, they said, apparently, that he only filmed the one. <laughs> That's a lot of trust in the production crew, right? Because imagine if they lost and that leaked out. Oh man, that'd be amazing. You'd get ridiculed for that. And, oh. <laughs> You're like salivating. <laughs> it's okay, man. Eli May is going to the Hall of Fame. It's alright. Yeah. So, Spurs over Patriots for you? Yeah, definitely. Look, right. Man, the Patriots Tang Dynasty. The Tang Dynasty versus the Kim Dynasty. Tang Dynasty is the golden age of Chinese, uh, the Chinese Empire, bro. Or the civilization, at least. Okay, I appreciate you know your love for history. I'm not even a, we weren't even a speck in the world. If Ryan was here, like he would go off on you right now about all this stuff because he loves you. <laughs> he would go at you about Genghis Khan and everybody's literally. We'll we'll get drinks and we'll talk about that. Mm. On that note, though, we'll get out of here. We'll wrap this up. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to this Toronto Raptors edition of the Tip of the Tower podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can find me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. You can find Demar Grant on Twitter at Demar J Grant. Guys, thanks for listening. Um, Raptors got a bit of a light schedule coming up, so enjoy the games here and there. But hey, Saturday night, yes, the Rams returns to OKC. Oh, I can't wait for that. Must watch. (laughs) All right, guys, enjoy the game. We'll see you on Twitter later.